0: Pastor Rick got to preach last week's passage that talked about congregational singing, uh, and I'm not going to re-preach it. Uh, He did a great job last week. I don't have to repreach it, but I want to just mention quickly the value of congregational singing. I I think there is a lot of false teaching about worship today, and false teaching sounds pretty strong, but but I think uh, I'm not saying that it's false teachers teaching this because I think there is an aspect of truth to it. You know, most false teaching has some truth to it right that's why it becomes popularized but we've kind of I remember being in a worship service as a teenager at a youth camp and they had all the lights turned off and I remember the worship leader you know playing the guitar quietly and using whisper voice because apparently that's how we communicate Uh, and he was like just pretend right now that there's a tunnel right over you going right to the Lord right now and it's only you and the Lord And I want to tell you, that's a very popular view of worship, that this is just a real personal thing with you and the Lord, and and that's why a lot of churches, man, we turn down the lights, we, uh, you know, we want that to be, I heard somebody one time in our church say, well, that's kind of my intimate time with Jesus, well, brothers and sisters, I just want to correct some false notions of what congregational singing is to be. Uh, Per the scriptures, it is supposed to be the congregation singing with one voice to the Lord. And you've heard me say this in prayers many times over the last uh, several weeks especially. And then Pastor Rick affirmed that in his message last week that we are, yes indeed, singing to the Lord and directing our hearts Godward as we sing. But there's another thing that's happening that I believe is equally important and that the modern church has forgotten And that's that we are to sing these songs to one another. We are to remind one another of these truths. Uh, As maybe you've had a heck of a week and you're in here thinking, man, I'm all alone. And you see your brothers and sisters next to you declaring the battle belongs to the Lord. Can I tell you what happens? It builds your faith. God uses the congregation worshiping together for his purposes. So there's a reason, there's a method to our madness. Uh, when I first got here and we started turning the lights up a little brighter, some of y'all didn't like it, and that, trust me, I heard. Uh, you, didn't have, so you didn't come to me, but I heard. Uh, but I, I tell you, we, we don't want to come and hide. Uh, can I tell you, you, brothers and sisters, you need a prayer closet. You need time with just you and the Lord but this is time with the Lord together. And and we're proud to do that. So there you go. I ended up preaching it a little bit anyways. Uh, So uh, turn in your Bibles to Colossians 3 if you're not there already. Uh, And if you thought that was a hard saying, just wait till we read today's text. Uh, We have been talking about this series that we have called Rooted. We have just a couple more weeks after today. Man, I hope you've enjoyed studying Colossians. I know that I have. It's been a great blessing to me. And and the heart behind this series and this title is that we would find our identity and that we, the, the tree of our life, would find its roots in Christ and His gospel. And that everything in our lives would flow out of our identity being found in Jesus. But, but there's a great obstacle that I think we face when we use this language of identity and finding our identity in Christ. Many people, I believe today, don't see their life as a tree, but rather they see their life as an orchard and what I mean by that is that oh yes and amen we have a faith tree and that tree is very important to us in fact some of you would argue the the faith tree in my life is in the middle it has the center place but then we've got you know our uh, job tree we've got our ever-growing in our culture politics tree we have our sports tree we have our family tree and we've got all these different trees that are equally important and we talk about that and what I want to say to you today is that when we do this we get very misguided because again your life is not to be the metaphor of an orchard your life is to be a tree that is rooted in Christ and all of these other things Uh, so I'm not suggesting that our theology shouldn't inform our practical lives in fact I'm saying the opposite Rather than having a tree in the middle that these others learn from, I'm saying that the branches in your life ought to be the other things that you're making trees. So did you know that your political views ought to be informed from the roots up? Did you know that your family, the way you conduct your family life should be informed from the roots up? Did you know the way you go to work should be nourished, strengthened, and literally held up by roots that are sunk down deep into the things of God? So we've been talking about how the gospel should inform our everyday life. This theological talk, the theology talk of the supremacy of Christ has been moving in recent weeks into practical talk about how we actually live this out in our real world lives. Today's message is titled, Carry Out Gospel. And I want you to know today that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a to-go order. We are not here this morning for a theological lecture to help you get smarter and no more. No, friends, we are here as the people of God to be transformed by his presence and his word in such a way that we take the gospel with us as we go into every single facet of our lives. So in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how the gospel should change our inner disposition and how a, a renewed inner disposition indeed leads to outward change. And these messages have been, they've been practical, and I said they were going to get personal, but I want to tell you today that I think they're getting even more practical and more personal as Paul is going to address a couple of big areas of our lives. So here's today's big truth. The gospel of Jesus Christ should radically reorient our home life and our work life. The gospel of Jesus Christ should radically reorient our home life and our work life. So let's get to this text and we'll pray and ask for the Lord's help as we study it together. Verse 18 of Colossians chapter 3 and we'll read through the first verse of chapter 4. The word of the Lord says this, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, as we come to a text that is perplexing to us in a modern culture Uh, even many who may think they have a firm grasp on this from years of church life may not actually know what you're saying in this text (laughs) so God I pray for your help I pray for uh, your guidance as I think and speak and share the things that you have shared with me as I've studied your word and Lord I pray that we would just have minds fully engaged on you and your truth and Lord that we would be able to see your clear call today as we study your word thank you for the gospel and Lord may this gospel the good news of your death burial and resurrection and the payment for our sins and new life that you give Lord I pray that it would inform every single part of our life specifically today as we think about the home and our work so Lord help us today it's in your name we pray amen Well, in this uh, short text, there are a lot of things that perhaps naturally cause you to raise your eyebrows, maybe ask some hard questions in your head and your heart, and some of you maybe are even hardened before I even begin to speak at what we have read in the Word of God. I want to tell you we're going to address a couple of these cultural issues as we go along, but I do want to tell you that a year ago in the fall of 2021, we spent three weeks in a similar passage to this in the book of Titus. So, so if something I, I say about any of these issues kind of makes you think, man, I want to know more, I want to tell you that we, we did a week on godly women uh, last fall. We did a week on godly men, and we did a week on God in the workplace as well and talked about the cultural issues that we'll touch on in this passage. So if you hear something that makes you go, huh, Then maybe you want to go back and listen to those, but we'll address a couple of the maybe controversial things that you see in this text in in a brief way uh, this morning, man. I hope it will be helpful for you. Uh, There's with this disclaimer out of the way, I want to kind of dive into what we see happening because it's clear. From the beginning of this text that Paul is applying the gospel of Jesus Christ to two very big and broad areas what we're calling today our home life and our work life. Paul just spent the first chunk of chapter 3 saying hey there are things that if you have been raised in Christ since you have been raised with Christ put off these things and put on these things and it got very personal and pastor rick shared how we should have renewed minds renewed community renewed songs and we talked about how our lives should be radically different because of jesus and his gospel yet after this bold and powerful message paul is going to get to the most basic level of our lives you see in a sense you maybe could have heard the last two weeks of messages and had all of these faith words that we use uh, gentleness kindness uh, sexual immorality put off these put on these and you hear all this language and you can almost spiritualize it away and at the end of the day do this maybe inner disposition thinking and talk and say am i where i need to be But Paul now is getting so practical that he says you can look at your life and see if these character traits are being exhibited. Like, if if you want to know if you have put off these things and put on these things, look at your home, look at work, look at the close relationships you have in your life. The gospel should go into every part of who we are. So, I want to talk about these two big sections. First, we see that the gospel goes home. This carry out gospel is a gospel that goes home. Jesus Christ should radically reorient your home life. Let me just ask you this question before we wade into the text What is it that shapes your home today? is it your upbringing can I tell you that for most of you is is what you're going to struggle with you're you're going to model what your parents modeled for you oftentimes in the home maybe it's your upbringing that is shaping your family maybe it's your schedule and your work many of you your work ends up taking the shape of your family many of you it's your kids and their extracurricular activities What is it today that shapes your home? I want to suggest to you this morning that what makes your family your family should be Jesus Christ and his gospel. Like the gospel should be the primary influence of your home. It should be evident. So first, Paul talks about the relationship between husband and wife. Verses 1 and 2, Paul says again, "...wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord." husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them again as we've said before in modern context this shocks us when we first read it concerns us even but but i want to remind you of the reality that the christian life is a life of submission But the Christian life is a life of submitting to others. In Ephesians 5.22, this same verse is is read in almost the same way. Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. In fact, that's even a little stronger, isn't it, than Colossians. And people just freak out about that in our culture. And here's what I often tell people when they're freaking out about that to me. I say, you want to know what's even worse? Look at the verse above it. And verse 21 of Ephesians 5 says Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ That all of us are to be learning what this submission looks like That we should submit to one another in love Now I want you to know this isn't me trying to soften the biblical command For wives to submit to their husbands It's totally not But what I'm trying to do is raise the bar for all of us To consider our willingness to submit to one another in our culture of radical individualism there is no submission oh it's hard to consider other people more important than yourself isn't it it's a challenge the bible calls us to be willing to submit to each other out of reverence for christ but specifically in this text you need to understand paul is referring to spiritual leadership in the home and i want to say unequivocally men are called to be the spiritual leaders in the home As the husband follows Jesus, the wife is called to follow Him. But as we've said before, as a husband, this is a huge challenge. The biblical truth is that the husband should be so closely following Jesus that a wife can joyfully submit to her husband, knowing that to submit to her husband is submitting to Christ. Man, can your wife say today I'm following you because you're following Jesus. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm challenged by that. Y'all are just looking at me like I'm crazy. Don't you be asking your wife to submit to you if you're not submitted to Jesus, brothers. That's a model for all kinds of dysfunction. So wives, you, you are to lovingly submit to Jesus by encouraging and following the spiritual leadership of your husband this text then says that men are to love their wives in fact again ephesians 5 is even stronger language it says that we men are to love our wives like christ loves the church whoa let me sum up how christ loves the church no i can't because i only have like 30 minutes to preach like it is beyond definition how much Christ loves us. Sacrificial, leading, loving, patient, kind. Like the love Christ has for us and his church is the love that men are to have for their wives. Oh, and this caveat, not to be harsh, I think is so important, friends. Men of God, spiritual leaders in your home, hear me when I say this. The way in which you lead matters. The way you lead matters. This is not a call for you to be the dictator of your home. This is a call to be the spiritual leader. Well, I'm going to spend a lot of time here, but, but here's really the crux of this. The gospel of Jesus Christ should be on display through your marriage. When people look at your marriage, husbands and wives, is it evident that Jesus and his gospel have changed you Some of you today need to have conversations this afternoon, this evening. You need to just sit down. Maybe when the kids go to bed and say, hey, are we displaying the gospel through our marriage? Husband, are you leading well? Ask your wife that question. Am I leading our home spiritually? What can I do to lead our home spiritually? And wives, encourage them to step up into that role. Encourage them, help them. And then as they lead, submit to their leadership as they are submitting to the leadership of Christ. This is what a godly husband and wife relationship looks like. But we don't only see the the gospel in home, in moms and dads, husbands and wives, but we see the parent and child relationship being different. Kids in the room, we see a clear command in verse 20. Obey your parents in everything for this pleases the lord obey your parents in everything for this pleases the lord guys and girls you need to understand today that god has given you your parents to help you learn how to follow him but also that they've given god's given you parents so that you can see i'm just looking at my kids i see i know they're in here y'all listening all right god has given you mom and dad guys and girls so that you would learn what it's like to live with an authority over you. That's a hard lesson to learn. The Bible says that when you obey your parents, you are learning to obey God. This pleases the Lord. But, moms and dads, I, I want to encourage you by noting verse 21 that specifically is addressed to fathers, but I'd say this applies to mothers as well. Do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And in this call to obey their parents, moms and dads, don't beat your children down. Lead with love. It's hard to do. And I want to tell you, though, that this doesn't mean, when I say lead with love, I'm not saying abandon discipline. That's a cruel thing to do to your children. The word no should be in your vocabulary. I don't care what the mommy blog told you. Well, scientific research, according to momblog.blogspot slash 7345, says that sounds like a scholarly article. Oh, I've lost some friends here. But I want to tell you, friends, so much of the modern parenting gobbledygook that, hear me when I say this, will be totally changed in 20 years when your kids are raising kids is actually teaching your children to be their own little gods and is teaching them that there is no authority over them other than them, the sacred them and you will raise kids who will live as if they are their own god and our culture will continue to look like it's looking today. God has given you, mom and dad, the responsibility to teach your children how to live under an authority. You're not called to be their friend first. You are their parent. Love them, yes, but lead them, shepherd their hearts as God has called you to do. The gospel should radically reorient your home life. Let me ask you a question by way of application today. Wherever you're at, whatever your family looks like, what is the spiritual temperature of your home what is the spiritual temperature of your home is it evident that Jesus has changed your relationship husband and wife is it evident that Jesus is in your life boys and girls as you seek to obey mom and dad as you relate to them moms and dads is it evident that Jesus has changed the way that you're raising your kids see the entire family dynamic should be different with jesus at the center take time today to think through this men of the home specifically again i want to encourage you to lead well no one can change the thermostat like you can i don't mean literally some of you are like amen i'm turning it down as soon as we get home But listen, you need to know, theologically, this is true, no one can change the home like you men, but also statistically, modern statistics and like, like research has showed today, like practical non-biblical wisdom has affirmed over and over again, and practical studies have just affirmed what the Bible says, that as goes the man, often so goes the home. Oh, but listen to me, friends. I'm grateful for the many exceptions that we have in this room. Moms and single parents who have led so well, we're so thankful for you. But it still stands that the design of God is that men lead their home spiritually. But everybody, mom, dad, kids, let Jesus radically reorient your home life. So, Paul's going to pivot now. Are you okay? You still with me? I mean, we took a couple hard right turns than you expected. I'm trying to make sure we didn't sling anybody out of the back of the truck. So, if we did, I'm stopping for a second so you can catch up and climb back in, all right? And then we're going to take a hard left and I'm going to sling some of you out the other end, I'm afraid. So we've talked about how the gospel should reorient your home life Let's talk about how the gospel should reorient your work life So not only does the gospel go home, but the gospel goes to work In verse 22, uh, the first verse, uh, and then into the first chapter of uh, four, the first verse of chapter 4, we see these commands and truths that are related to masters and bondservants. Now, before we get practical, we need to address this because if you had kind of a raised eyebrow approach to this passage, that is fitting and understanding. You need to understand, though, that at the time of this writing, slavery was baked into the culture of the entire world. One in three Romans was a slave. And outside of Rome, in towns like Colossae, one in five people lived as slaves. So somewhere between 20 and 33% of the population was living in slavery. Now historians would tell us that some of these slaves were abused and treated very poorly, but what you need to know is that by and large, the context of slavery in the world at this time is completely different than what we think about when we think about slavery. Many professionals like doctors, lawyers, and managers lived as slaves, yet their lives would look a lot today like modern day employees. And some of you are like going to run with that metaphor hard. (laughs) Amen. But this relationship looked a lot like our modern workplace. So you need to understand in this time period, slavery was a cultural reality, it was a way of life. I want to again affirm to you that the Bible is not pro slavery. The Bible here is not seeking to give guidance on the morality of this issue at all. Rather, it is speaking into a reality that existed in culture and telling these individuals to think about the way they relate to one another. The gospel should change even that relationship dynamic. Just think about this from a practical level, guys. If those statistics are accurate, and I believe they are historically. You can find research that confirms that. This church would have been made up of 50% of the people in there would have either been slaves, bond servants, or masters. So here's what's wild. That crowd is like, yeah, the Bible's pro-slavery. Imagine that group of people sitting in a church and getting a letter from the Apostle Paul that said, there is neither slave nor free. Christ is all and in all. Let there be no distinctions among you, church. radical isn't it and I I would just quickly say that I think the Bible was extremely pro-freedom if you go into the letters to Corinthians there's a passage where Paul says if you can get your freedom go get your freedom even though the slavery looked different than it looked in in most contexts we think of today so again if you want more on that you can go find the the message from Titus last fall but I want us to really think today uh, about the context of our work life and I got to tell you today in this context we might be more offended by the commands of how we should conduct ourselves at work than we are about the notion of slavery in the Bible because this is intense and I want to really sum this up with a question these commands that we find here are summed up with a question here's the question who do you work for who do you work for and this text is abundantly clear whether you are an employee or an employer and in our modern context we know that there are tons of levels in between that, right? It's clear you don't work for people you work for the Lord. Verses 23 and 24 are so good look at them in your Bibles again with me. Whatever you do work heartily work heartily It's for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Amen. These verses really frame this whole section. How in the world can you obey your earthly bosses even when they're not good? How is it that you can work hard without becoming a people pleaser who's just striving to climb up the ladder at all costs? how can you work without just trying to make a name for yourself many of you are are bosses or employers and managers and leaders of people and you may think well well, how can i lead well without becoming domineering or, or without being a jerk and ultimately here's the principle regardless of your position title place or rank we don't work for people we work for jesus this is how he is our boss and i want you to notice this language it says work heartily work heartily this means that we work hard Christ's followers ought to produce good work i think this is really important today there, there's this other so i've corrected some false notions earlier about worship I think there's this modern thing that well again we have different trees right so this is my my work tree over here and this is my faith tree and they're separate but can i tell you that the work branch belongs on our tree and our work ought to be informed by our faith we ought to work heartily if you're a christ follower i hope that the people at your work know that you're a christ follower number one if they don't what does that say about your life that's something to think about but, but let me just ask you this how does your faith inform your work one of the ways it informs it is we ought to seek to do the best at everything God's called us to do If you're a doctor and you're a Christ follower, you ought to want to be the best doctor you can be. If you're a teacher, you should want to be the best teacher. If you are a cashier, you should want to be the best cashier you can be. Not because you're trying to climb the ladder, not because you're trying to make more money, not because you're trying to make a name for yourself. No, but because you aren't working for anybody there, you're working for Jesus. Well, it's a shame to me that Christians aren't known for their best work all the time. And people trying to hire people in a capitalistic society ought to be like, you a Christian? Because they work heartily. They're going to do good work. But so many of us just survive at our jobs. Christ followers ought to seek to be excellent we should work hard we should strive to be great at what we do work heartily, not for our sake not to be a good employee but because we're working for Jesus do you see how this changes your work life you say well, well Rusty my boss is terrible you just don't understand that's not your boss you work for Jesus and you might just get an opportunity if you work for Jesus to share the gospel with that boss oh well well, Rusty you don't understand I'm just at a dead end job I don't really even have a boss they don't even know my name brothers and sisters hear me God has placed you where he has placed you for such a time as this you have a boss that is greater than your boss the old bumper sticker that said my other boss is a Jewish carpenter do you remember those? And my other other boss is my wife. (laughs) Let's go back to verse 18. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. If Jesus is the Lord of all in your life, I want to tell you he's the the Lord of your workplace. That should change the way you think about it. As we wrap this up today, I want to just mention that as I studied this passage, I was so struck by the contrast of work and home, right? Very different commands, different feel to these commands. But but what I noticed is that while they're different and Paul addresses them in different ways, the one similarity that jumped out to me is this call to change these relationships by obeying the call to be obedient to the gospel the call of the gospel is a call to walk in obedience and in walking in obedience it means we change the way we interact with other, each other so we said earlier that the big truth is that the gospel of Jesus Christ radically reorients our home life and our work life I, I want to get at the end this is really the, probably the worst way to communicate because I'm holding it for the end but here's what we're going to do what does this radical reorientation look like today I want to argue that this reorientation is the same at work and at home and here's what it is it's moving from me centered to others centered oh and that's hard (laughs) that's hard in a world that has taught us that it's all about you in a culture well let's just be honest even many of us as adults were raised by mom and dads that were trying to tell us that the world's all about you we went to schools where there were posters everywhere telling us that it's all about you, right? Like we grew up in a world that promotes self above everything else. And what the Bible is going to say is the gospel radically calls us out of that and says, it's not about you. Your home life is not about you. Husbands and wives, do you want to ruin your marriage? Make it all about you parents do you want to ruin your relationship with your kids make it all about you do you want to ruin your kids relationships with everybody else in the future make it all about them and teach them that it's all about you you are setting your family up for disaster And, and again i would argue we see the fruit of that in our culture today and some of you today may see the fruit of that in your home Jesus is inviting us to a better way. Serve your family. Play the role that God has given you. Consider others as more important than yourselves. And while that's a hard word for us, I think maybe work may be more difficult for us to think that way. It's not about you. God has placed you there so that you could work for him. So that means work heartily, be good at your job. But listen, whatever platforms, whatever role, whatever title God gives you, use that for his glory. As God advances you, seek to advance the gospel. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, then the call of this text is to serve him by serving others in the home and in the workplace. And I love what the text says that the master of all will reward us in glory this is huge because this radical concept of radically reorienting who we are at home and in life like this sounds crazy this sounds radical but can i also just bring it down for a minute and say this is really ordinary isn't it paul says hey let's talk about your home for a minute what's the spiritual temperature of your home hey let's talk about your work life how are things at work man when i sit down with y'all to talk if we're drinking a cup of coffee if we're eating dinner if we're going to lunch together here's here's what this conversation sounds like i mean richard amy i just had a conversation earlier what what did we talk about we took turns saying how's your family how's your family how they doing and if we were to talk long enough in fact last time richard and i visit how's work going and this is the real everyday stuff we talk about. And Paul says, You know, this supremacy of Christ, you know, this gospel that I've been talking to you about, it gets into every nook and cranny of who you are and how you live. So, how are we doing today? The same normal, base level, ordinary life today, has the gospel of Jesus Christ changed that? If not, can I tell you, he stands ready to make your ordinary extraordinary when you see it through the lens of Jesus changing it all. I pray that we'll see that, feel that, and walk in that today. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity that that you give us as we think through even complicated texts like this one. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to not be hearers only of your word, but that you would help us to do it that you would radically reorient our hearts from me-centered to others-centered so that you could reign and rule over our homes and over our work lives, God, so that we could be ready to be your people living for your glory. Oh, Lord, thank you for what you've done on the cross. And thank you for the work of sanctification that you're working in us today.